Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best DMs and GMs on this plane of existence. If you'd like to help support the show, check out my link tree or my show notes for my affiliate links. Also, if you're a content creator and you're ready to take the next step in your journey, check out episodify.com. They can help you edit your podcast audio, your long form video content, or your short form video content. Now let's jump into this week's guest intro. Riley is the host of two awesome indie podcasts. One is an actual play of a Borderlands tabletop role-playing game called Friend and Foe Adventure Co. And the other is the Board Game Community Show. Riley loves creating shenanigans for his players on his actual play and chatting with board game designers about the games that he loves. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Riley. I am the BM, aka Bunker Master for Friend and Foe Adventure Co., which is an actual play podcast that uses the bunkers and badasses, we'll call it B&B, system. And that's based on the Borderlands video game series. It's funny, I was thinking about this the other day and thinking, what was my first TTRPG experience? Mm -hmm. And I thought all the way back to like 1997. When I was in elementary school, there was a scholastic school fair. Oh, yeah. You remember those? Yeah. Animorphs books. Yeah. Car posters and pencil erasers. Oh, yeah. I would go for the Animorphs all the time. Oh, yeah. They had this black plastic case that was had Darth Vader's face on it. Cool. And I was like, okay, cool. What's this? And it's like a game and a book series. It was, I had to look it up earlier today. It was Star Wars Missions. And it was pretty much just like a mini RPG for kids. And it gave you like the classic characters, Han and Luke and Leia, whatever. You choose that and you choose their weapon or match their weapon up, whatever it is. Uh And then you read through the book and it was almost choose your own adventure type thing. So rather, you know, like you were playing as these characters and then you'd have to roll dice to do skill checks. And if you passed, it would go to this page or something like that, if I remember right. Yeah. I mean, that was... Oh gosh, almost three decades ago. Yeah, oh, that's no. dating us a little bit. We're we're old. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So that was like my first real experience with this sort of and I, you know, it's one that I don't even think about, mm-hmm. but it's it is technically like a RPG yeah. type. But then so many years later, a couple decades later, I'm in high school and my friend and I, big nerds, we used to do, do you know what Shania are? They're like the bamboo practice. Okay, yeah. So we used to Shania fight. So we had like been Shania fighting. Do you get welts and stuff? Oh, you're actually hitting each other? Yes, absolutely. Wow. (laughs) It hurts pretty bad. Yeah. So like we usually go until one of us can't go anymore, right? Like until somebody gets injured enough to like, all right, we're done for the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we did. I think I got hurt. And so I was like, all right, let's call it. Like, I don't want to, I can't take the pain anymore. Yeah. And he was like, do you want to play? Dungeons and Dragons. So this was 2004 or five. So it would have either been 3E or 3.5. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Why not? He kind of described what it was. I don't think I'd heard much about it. And so I made a rogue. We made that character pretty quick. I was like infiltrating a cult in a cave. And I I immediately am like, 
so I can just do whatever I want. You sure? And he's like, yeah, you just have to roll for it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my daggers out and I'm going to start scaling this wall and get on top of the ceiling and get above them so I can ambush them. And I rolled well enough that I could do that. And he was like, this is wow, great. You know, I was like, this is ridiculous, you know? And then like, all right, I'm going to drop down on him. And like that fails, but I take a little bit of damage, whatever. And then the fight breaks out and then I'm doing all these flips and tricks and stuff, making combat way harder. Right. Because right. it's like, all right, well, in addition to just normally attacking, you're also doing like these skill checks or whatever. Mm. But I had a lot of fun and never got invited to play again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I totally would have because I was loving it. So then after high school, I started listening to podcasts. It was like Harmontown was one of the first mm. ones. And at the end of their episodes, Dan Harmon, who's like the creator of Community and Rick and Morty, he would be blackout drunk and they would play D&D. Right. <laughs> it was great. So then eventually I made my brother run a campaign for us for me and my friends that listen to the show. And we had a lot of fun doing like two or three sessions, but eventually that fell apart. So then I just had to like live vicariously through podcasts because I didn't know anybody that DM'd other than my brother. And our schedules like never really lined up or I, I couldn't get a group to play with him. And I don't think I wanted to join his group for some reason. I don't know. Who knows? Who Maybe knows? I wasn't comfortable playing with those people. <laughs> Maybe. So that's kind of how I got into them. Mm. And then eventually back a couple of years ago, they announced B&B. &B, uh -huh. And uh, I was like, I'm going to make an actual play of that. From there, I was like, that means I need to start DMing. So I borrowed my brother's books and started studying it, uh -huh. you know, and getting ready because I thought I should get some experience before doing an actual play and see if this is something I would actually want to do. That's fair. That's fair. I've had guests who their first game they run is like recorded as an actual play, you know? And then I've yeah. had people who wait a long time to dip their toes in and everything in between. So I think there's definitely no right answer, but it's definitely, you know, whatever you feel the most comfortable with. And so, yeah, I can appreciate that. Like doing a little prep beforehand. So that was when you first started deciding to run games is this new system comes out based on Borderlands games, which you love. And you're like, I'm going to do this. So yeah. Uh, how did your first game go that you ran? You know, who was it? What game was it? And how did it go? It was with my wife, Kimmy, mm -hmm. my friend, Matt, who is on the show as well. And then I had my brother who had at that time, you know, over a decade of GMing experience and playing. It was the dragon of ice fire peak. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. That beginner one shot. So I had like studied up on it. You know, I read through to a certain point and felt really comfortable with it. And I have a theory of like, if you want to be good at something, you really need to struggle with it. So I told my brother, use your decade of experience. Put me through the ringer. Make me sweat. Yeah. Make me sweat. Yeah. Like <laughs> make this hard. Yeah. Pull out all the stops of things that annoy you derail or whatever it is. And I'll try and like get you back on track. And I didn't tell my wife or Matt this. I should have probably. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But it was really fun. He made a character that had a really bad sense of direction, which I thought like, okay, yeah, like he might get a little lost if you tell him like East, West. They go to the inn and they're asking like, oh, are there jobs here? Whatever. Well, who do we need to talk about? To, about the dragon, whatever it was. And he's like, oh, there's a job board across the streets. Just go there and look. And, and there's a couple options, whatever. He goes out and he immediately turns left and just goes into the forest. And I was like, oh, no. Bypass all of the plot hooks, just straight in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, 
the direction you're heading is nothing. There is nothing on my book for this area. And the other two players are like, we're not following them. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, see ya. <laughs> see ya. So they go to the job board and stay on task. And so then I had a split party within like 30 minutes of my first game. And it was really fun. I actually think it was nice because then I had him like run into a garden and you know, I just made it up, right? Like a secret garden in there. And somebody got mad at him because he was foraging. Little did I know that he was foraging, like he's experienced, he ended up foraging for like potion of healing materials. Of course. Yeah. And so he was totally taking advantage of me there too. Of like, (laughs) okay, cool, cool, cool. Like one of the first missions you do is to like get a potion of healing, right? And it's way too expensive Mm -hmm. otherwise. And no, he's just making one. So he did stuff like that. And, but it it also gave me the opportunity to like make up some random NPC that comes in and is yelling at him. Hey, you're not supposed to be in my garden. What are you doing? Oh, you're an adventurer, aren't you? Let me walk you, but you know, like and walks him all the way back. And, and then the other two, this was their first time ever playing an RPG. Matt had listened to several shows like the adventure zone, Kimmy, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No experience at all. So that was really interesting. And they were great. The first session, they stayed on track pretty well. And then the second and third session, they were more so getting like crazier and crazier. And I don't think a single session of that book ever like went to plan. Right. Right. Like it was so glorious because I feel like that's how every game is. There's definitely some groups who are like, we want to play Curse of Strahd. So we are going to do that. But then there's others who just want to make their own adventures and you just go with it. So, yeah. All right. So you mentioned like <laughs> your brother just totally going off the rails the first session, but it sounds like you handled it all right. So we, we won't chalk that up to failure, but I'd love to know <laughs> what some examples are of how not to DM or GM or BM in your case. <laughs> any stories to tell, any wisdom to share about stuff you've run into and, and maybe how we could learn from it? Every show, I think, jokes about the GM being God, right? Right. And so that's like, I've really played into that and get blasphemous or whatever. But I I started to take that very literally sometimes where I thought my characters have broken into this mansion. One of the characters is in a library. He wants to look through the books. I had written lore, like 10 books, so he could roll a D10 and, you know, find X amount of books if he wanted. And they would tell him what books and those might actually give him like advantages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Get real elaborate here. This is the one with Ian, who's the designer. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've listened the to this first one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so he was just joking around. It was Kyle. And he said like, oh, and I find a dirty magazine in between the pages. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, you don't. No, you, this guy's classy. And he keeps his library nice. And like, he's in history, you know, like mm-hmm. in my head, I was just like, no, this is who my character is. Don't mess him up. And then afterwards, I thought that was the dumbest thing for me to do because here he's adding to the world, right? Like he's, his character is there in the library. He's looking at these books. Why not let him add to it? Mm. Add some flavor. And yeah, this time it might be like a dirty magazine is hidden in there. I could write that off as like one of the bodyguards put it in there uh-huh. if it was, you know, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of ways to deal with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, that one bugs me still. And it's such a small thing, but I hate that I, I hate when I say no <laughs> and I don't yeah. want to, you know, unless it's something really big. And luckily I think my players know their boundaries. They're not like, I want to jump to the moon, you know, like right. they keep it relatively realistic to where I can say yes. And then the other one, 
I thought I knew what session zeros were. Mm -hmm. So I did one. We like talked about who our characters are. I told them certain words I absolutely not allowed on the podcast and certain types of actions. But even then, we didn't come up with like a safe word, Uh which I wish we did. Because there's a part where Phil calls one character the B word. And it's like episode one, I think. I was like, oh, I'm just going to have the character react and like scold him. Because I don't like that word. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hate it. Oh, threw me off. And I tried to react in game, tried to discourage it. But it didn't really help. <laughs> and it ended up being, him being sexist was kind of part of his character at that point. Kimmy and I talked about it later, too. And and I was like, I just, I don't like it. And she's like, yeah, I don't like it either. So then I had to come up with some sort of way. Because we're a podcast, it's not like we can just sort of write that off change it in a way so i came up with a way to do it in canon now he gets punished whenever he does that but had we had a safe word kimmy was like if we had a safe word in episode one or three i would have used it so session zeros super important it's that whole comfort thing of like being mid-game stopping and saying like "Ah, i'm not really comfortable with that and then later too i all of a sudden second guessed it because phil's gay and i'm like shoot actually that's like part of gay culture is calling people the b word you know and i'm like just it's it's a tangled web man it is it can be tough it can be tough so he and i had conversations about it and i asked him like i told him why you know like oh i'm not really comfortable with that but like are you okay with me giving you this curse so that anytime you do it you have to take damage or i think i did it more vague than that right right And then it ended up becoming like a really great part of the podcast of him. Anytime he does something like slightly sexist, he takes damage. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, trying to force character growth that may or may not happen. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's funny, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. People run into these scenarios a lot where they're just not sure how to address something that's made them uncomfortable or they can tell has made other people uncomfortable. You mentioned safe word. I know some people have like cards with an X on them where you can just like hold it up and stop play or there's a bunch of different ways to go about it, but it definitely is important to make sure that everybody is comfortable with what's happening and feels safe and, and welcomed while they're playing a game. So we've talked about some more unfortunate things that have happened in your games, but let's jump to the good stuff now. So tell me about some really fun parts good stuff from either your show or from games you've run that haven't been recorded that people can learn from in a good way. One of my favorite memories is that Kimmy couldn't make an episode. And so I was thinking, I still want to do a session, right? And I'm really excited. I don't have anything else to this day. Nobody else has anything. We all booked it out. And so I was like, I'm doing it. Talked to Kimmy beforehand and told her my idea. And the idea was that we were going to do a flashback to some time. And I remember saying this to people who are a lot more experienced than me and saying like, I ran a completely improvised episode. And they're like, well, yeah, every episode, every session is improvised, right? And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, in a way. But like this one, I literally did zero prep. I told them it was a flashback. One person I was like, suggested maybe we go a year back, but you don't have to. We can go further back. We can go more recent. Everybody ended up deciding on doing roughly a year before. And then it was really cool to not have anything prepped at all. And everybody was separate. And so I would ask them questions about, okay, well, where do you think you were a year ago? What did you just finish doing? Mm -hmm. Or what have you done recently? 
is it before this reference that you've made or after, or is this going to be that reference, right? Things like that. And so ended up just completely winging it based on those questions. And that was so cool because they got to build some lore. Mm -hmm. They got to develop their characters better. And it was a cool exercise for me to be like asking those questions and having those one-on-one interactions with them and seeing what kind of cool story I could weave with that. And I ended up being able to, at a certain point, I realized I can connect these two stories in a way that they don't see. And when I got to drop that bomb of the beginning of your story is the end of this person's story type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Was just such a satisfying thing for me. But I think also all the players were really, really thrilled with that, that they got to like explore the past and, develop the world because they all got to pitch in things right like okay you're not in this city what city are you in what's the population like oh what kind of work is popular there you know like asking those kind of questions being able to let them contribute to the world and say like well there's a old pawn shop and it's called dave's detritus you know like cool what's dave like what kind of friendships do you have all those types of things are really really fun to do I definitely think everybody should do a zero prep session where you just ask questions and build it out. One of these days I will get up the courage slash will just have the necessity to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I haven't done it yet. I've done sessions where I've done like very, very little prep, like one or two bullets, but it was still enough to like have an idea of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days I'll try it. And I'll tell you how it goes. Yeah. Do another thing. This thing you actually retweeted and participated in was the have never have I ever. And I was so excited about that because it was, they were on a train. I had plans for that train, but for the first little while, they just get to do whatever they want. So of course they go to the bar, they start drinking and they're like, well, let's play some drinking games. Okay. What game? Uh, like what game can we play as on a podcast? And you know, like, yeah, that would be interesting. That yeah. would be interesting. Instead of just like rolling dice to see if you win the card game or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Not as interesting. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up coming up with never have I ever. And that was so much fun to do because it was like, they're doing lore stuff, right? They're saying like, never have I ever burnt down a building. And then like, <laughs> Somebody drinks and it's like, what? What building did you burn down? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Never have I ever been in love. And it's like, what question is that? That was really cool to do. Really fun. Definitely recommend those types of things. That was really rewarding. I remember the retweet, but like, I've never implemented it in my game. So yeah, check that out too. So in the course of running games, you're always going to run into this DMs and GMs and BMs out there. Riley, when was a time someone just totally threw a wrench in your plans and destroyed it and you had to like pick up the pieces and put it together real time, you know, within the next five seconds to make everything work again? Yeah, this is my favorite. I feel like my players do this to me on purpose. (laughs) Probably. They they do it all the time. At one time I set up an episode and it was, or a session. I always call them episodes because that's what we do, right? Mm -hmm. But I had set it up so that they were going to search for this pet skag which is like a dog and then like they could use that to get in to the facility or something or like attract some bodyguards away mm-hmm. and not they, to make it into a skag burrito no you okay. no no okay. yeah, yeah. Don't, don't want to eat those <laughs> no no and uh <laughs> they were just within i think three minutes of me putting that quest out which was the very start of the session they had moved on to being like 
well, we don't need it. We could just lie and lure them to a warehouse and kidnap them and then get somebody even bigger there. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, well, that was my entire session. And so then it turned into the whole, what do you do? I'm asking them questions. How do you want to do this? Uh, and then I might have like an NPC pitching an idea or something. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being a pretty weird turn. <laughs> and I really liked it. And then one even more recently, the arc we're on right now. So no spoilers mm. for anybody. I had this idea that I was like, water is becoming scarce. And there's these three facilities that are melting ice to get water and and distribute it. Mm-hmm. And they're all different quality, different prices. They're going to go tour the facility, negotiate something, whatever it is, and then come back and decide. Three of the players went out and did that. Then they come back and they have a meeting and I had set up the prices. This is like key story stuff that'll pay off later in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this like brilliant plan. And two of the players had decided on the one that I was hoping they'd pick, they were like, oh, I want this one. I want this one. And then my wife pipes up and she's like, well, why don't we just take over one? Seize the means of production. Yeah. She's like, why do we even need them? <laughs> and I was like, thanks, oh, Kimmy. <laughs> no, babe. I, I, like I played it. To- I tried to play it cool. I think I did. And I told them, you know, like, well, we do need people to run it, which we can hire. We need to outsource this. We need to do this, this, you know, like come up with that logic. Luckily, this was the end of the session that this idea came up. But like I was doing that type of thing and then they ended up rolling with that. And so like my next episode was just do a side quest, you know, like that was my plan was here. Now we have some free time, go have some fun. And now they're like, going and working towards infiltrating the <laughs> one of the plants and taking it over. And I'm just, it's led to so much good stuff. And I'm so glad that my wife was the one to suggest it. And after the fact, she was like, I thought that was literally the only option. And I was like, I never thought of that for some reason. Like I should have. Right. <laughs> like, of course they're going to do this, right? Like, of course they're going to commandeer whatever they can commandeer. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. All right. Do you have any homebrew rules, that, that kind of thing you like to throw into your games that go above and beyond the B&B rules or, or whatever system you're playing that you feel like make the game more fun, more interesting, engaging? I think a lot of people talk about nat ones being auto fail and nat 20s being auto success. I really like that. So I do that in D&D as well. I know that some people don't like that because it's like, well, you know, it's there's still the struggle or uh, right. Like you could still, you people justify it. And I totally make sense in some cases, like I'm a rogue and I'm really good at breaking into things, but this chest, I rolled a nat one. And even though I have a plus six to lock picking, why am I failing it or whatever? Yeah. Lock pick breaks or it's a lock you've never dealt with before. Yeah. There's a a dozen different ways you can play it. On the flip side though, like people who worry about, well, you can't make nat twenties an auto success. Cause what if it's like, Really, really hard. And it's like, okay, well, then don't make them roll for it if it's going to be an impossible task. Yeah. And then you don't have to, like, let the bard seduce the dragon and, you know, destroy the the years-long campaign you've been doing or whatever, right? Exactly. Like this, this, yeah. Another cool. thing is, I love this about B&B, is generation tables. Like, because one of the things about oh, yeah. Borderlands is billions of guns and equipment and stuff. And right, because so, it's all procedurally generated by the game, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like... In the video games, they have like different 
stocks and different clips and hammers and uh, barrels or whatever for the guns. And so when you generate loot, it can like generate different manufacturers uh-huh. item parts on these or gun parts in different places. It's crazy. It's really smart. So what they do here is like, you know, a roll table where you're rolling to decide the brand and what type of gun and then the rarity. And then you might get like a prefix so that it could be like worse or better than something that rolls it the same. It could be legendary and you get like red text and it does some weird crazy thing, just like in the video games where it'll like shoot swords or something, you know, (laughs) I really, really love that. But the game it has some shields and some grenades, and I thought, like, why not make my own table? So I homebrewed some tables for that. I homebrewed two classes for it because my wife likes playing a siren, but she didn't really want to be those other one of the two siren options in there. So I was like, well, why don't we make you a pet? You know, like you could have a pet cat is what I was saying at first because she loves cats. And then she decided on a hummingbird, and I was like, even easier, like... <laughs> That's great, you know, and that one was completely original, but the other one was my homebrewed a mech pilot, which is based on the Borderlands 3 character, Moe's. And that was really fun to do because I had a like a reference sheet. I could just pull up their skill tree and be like, how does this translate into TCRPG yeah. form? What skills would be fun in here? And, and how does this work? And then you also have to like fix it as you go, right? That's not really homebrew rules, I guess. That's just homebrew content. But I... I mean, rules are content, right? Like when, you, when when you're reading the player's handbook, those are rules. So like, yeah, yeah. When you're reading the B and B handbook, those are rules. Yeah, that, that totally counts. All right, cool. I like it. The designer of the game. Did you show him any of that stuff? Yeah, kind of. I know that he's in like a difficult spot where, like, he's even in the homebrew channel. I don't think he looks through any of the homebrew content because. Oh right, he doesn't want to like let it accidentally influence him yeah. in any way that makes sense i know or even like the legalities of it of somebody being like whoa here's ian stealing my idea for yeah grenades, yeah you know? that's like, what i mean like yeah I've, I've heard of people like that like not reading scripts like writers not reading scripts or whatever just because in the off chance like yeah you know that i somehow get this in the back of my brain and then use it somewhere else yeah that makes sense And now, a word from How Not to DM sponsors. First up, RPG Match. RPGmatch.org is a site dedicated to helping you get matched up with tabletop role-playing game players who like to play like you do. You can select games you're interested in playing, customize your preferred playstyle, and find dozens of folks to fill up your table. RPGmatch.org. Don't roll the dice on who you play with. Signing up for RPGmatch.org is 100% free. And you can head down to the show notes right now and click on a link which will allow you to add the How Not to DM badge to your profile. That way you can find other fans and listeners of the show and trust them that much more. Check it out. Also, a quick shout out to Episodify, the people who helped me produce this show. If you are looking for someone to help you edit your YouTube content, TikTok content, reels, shorts, podcasts, whatever it might be, Episodify is ready to help you out. They have packages for people who need more or less editing hours during each month. And if you buy more, then you can save more on the editing hours you buy. So if you're a content creator who needs a little extra help or you've started making some money and you're ready to take that editing burden off your lap, then check out episodify.com. Thanks so much for listening to the words from all of those sponsors. The sponsors help keep the show running, keep the lights on. 
Now, let's jump into Quickfire Chaos. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! So, this week on Quickfire Chaos, Riley and I are going to roll up some random encounters from the internet. And we're going to create a scenario to roleplay together. I'll let you decide on the flavor. If you want to make it Borderlands flavor, that's great. Disclosure, I haven't ever played the game. I've watched my friend play it before. So I'm familiar with the aesthetics. But as far as like what's going on, I've read Wikipedia articles and that's all I know. Thanks. So uh, I, mean, I don't need to know that much no. to make it work. I'm well, just saying, you know. Phil never played the game before he oh, yeah. played with us. So fair. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Okay. What sounds more interesting, City Quest or Fetch Quest today, Riley? Let's just roll odds or evens. Okay, I like it. Uh, odds, City, and yeah. Evens, Fetch. Oh, wait, well, four. Yeah. Okay, so evens it evens. is. Okay, so the first table we're going to roll on is D100 Fetch Quests. So, Riley, if you would, let's get that first D100 roll and see what I'm trying to fetch here. 44. The remains of a hero lost in battle. Okay. So, you can flavor that however you want. Those he saved want to give him a proper burial. I like that. So now we're going to build okay. the NPC together. So we'll start with the job of the NPC. 34. More Thir fours. More fours. A dairy maid. You know what? We've had this one in the past. Dairy worker. We, we don't care about the gender of the dairy worker. You can decide. Dairy okay. worker doing something. Uh, traits of this NPC. 54. <laughs> I don't know what the odds are, but they're slim. 54. Indifferent. Okay. An indifferent dairy maid. The trait of lacking enthusiasm for or interest in things generally. Remaining calm and seemingly not to care. Casual lack of concern. Having or showing little or no interest in anything. Languid. Spiritless. Oh, boy. Some good synonyms. All right. The last D100 roll for us will be how they sound. If it's another four, I will laugh. 54. No <laughs> way. I, I have witnessed it, too. I have looked at every single roll. That is incredible. All right. 54. Repeats under their breath the last word they say. They say. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Riley. Are we doing this Borderlands style? Or are we doing it? Yeah, let's do it. Kay. That's going to be my comfort zone, probably. Yeah, so you It'll, you yeah, give yeah. me some ideas about what kind of character I am. Like, what, what oh, am I yeah, doing? Okay. Like, what, why? Well, like, the B&B &B world is kind of set up like D&D &D crossed over with sci-fi. Yeah. So if you want to I'm, I'm just a drifter, class. right? I'm, I'm just a traveling drifter. I'm okay. showing up in town looking for work. Uh, I'm sure I've got guns and stuff, right? Yeah. You yeah, know, guns and grenades. And you should have swords. You could be a. Is there a class you'd like to be? Like uh, I don't D and D wise. I mean, I usually just like do the classes like a little bit of flavor. Uh, I'll just say yeah, like roguish or fighterish. You know, Why okay. Not? You know, that just drifter feel of like just drifter. Yeah, I got I got like a black hat on and a sweet Ooh. mustache. You know, and, yeah. and I'm just rolling into town looking for work. Nice. Okay. All right. You're heading to town when you see a fenced off area and there are these little insects in there. Well, they're not little. They're pretty big. How big are we talking? We're talking uh, maybe the smaller ones come up to your hip, the bigger ones above your head. So very big. Very big. 
Yeah, very large insects. They've got six legs, giant wings, almost mosquito-like snozzes, you know? Are a few of them buzzing around or are they all in the pen? They're all in the pen. They're not flying. You see these this chain linking to their wings uh you, you get the feeling maybe maybe it's enchanted it keeps them grounded maybe it's just keeps them from flapping too hard together but you know these are these must be some uh farm type varkid you've seen varkid before okay. in your travels and there's a barn open door you can see some screen in there some of them climb up on walls and just start sitting on the side uh but the, around the fences there's little electrical posts that'll you know arcane infused with arcane energy and zap out is one of them gets too close or tries to climb over the fence and and you see a woman who's sitting on a small stool under it uh under one of them and she's got a milk pail and you see her milking it milking one uh, what color is this milk <laughs> it is a gross gross like mucus yellow green yeah it i just... knew you choose the color <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not a great color it's a very funky smell very distinct to varkid dairy farms where you see the pens and there's not a bunch of feces in right. there so they wash them off and it put them into a lagoon and that lagoon just sits there and kind of ferments with that. Eventually, they wash it out into the fields and try and grow some crops with it. You know, like it's it's kind of like a fertilizer. Trying to be sustainable. Yeah, yeah it's manure. Yeah. So. Uh, living out west, you and I are both familiar with the smell of, of farms. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. If you go out on a dairy farm and you see her stand up when she sees you, waves you over towards the fence. Okay. But you kind of hesitate, maybe, because yeah, of the smell. I, uh, like, wait for a second to, like, look behind me to see if she's waving someone behind me. You know, like, <laughs> is that someone else you're talking to? Nope, it's me. All right. <laughs> Just my, uh, my, my jacket a little bit, my duster, and then I'm mosey on over. She rolls her eyes as you do that. <laughs> Walks up to the fence line. Oh, you probably want to stop right there because... You don't want to get zapped by the fence, but I do have some work. You look like an adventuring type. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm uh, making my way through town and uh, looking for uh, some work, making myself uh, a little bit of money, you know, spend it as I need it. So, uh, yeah, well, what you got for me? <sighs> okay. I mean, I don't really care about all that. That sounds like a lot of unnecessary backstory that you're telling me. Okay. And I'm not here for that. Bad. Uh, I appreciate you being I a straight feel, shooter, at least. feel kind of like you probably owe me a little bit of money. I, I disagree with you there. Okay, uh, what, what's the job? All right. Well, around these parts, there used to be a milker named Maven, and she was the Milk Maven Haven Raven is what they called her. She would wear black. She was, you know, like, cool if you were into that kind of thing of, like, gothy whatever i just happen to be into that thing well you probably won't be into this person because she's dead she's dead well that's unfortunate to hear of course but uh what 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 does a dead person to have to do with me (sighs) my boss doesn't believe that she died because she's so legendary or whatever whatever 
I mean, people like people die, uh, but she got taken away by some some stray Varkid, some really just mean wild Varkid came up. I guess they didn't like her milking, <laughs> milking other people, other uh, beings of that same type, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. I'm not going to ask you to elaborate. Nope. Yeah, I don't care to elaborate. Uh, so they took her away and put her in this they, they burrow in. They, you, you see these anthills. You probably saw anthills coming in. I don't know. Like, maybe you could fetch the body or something so that my boss would, can accept and move on. Move on. Alright, so Maven was a milker. Yeah. Who done got snatched up by one of these, these critters, carried off to an anthill. You have any idea which direction they might have headed? Well, they went into that uh, that hill here. Right there. Right there, yeah. Just like 50 squares out. Uh, but, you know, that's a huge network. They have... It's like, if you think of an anthill, right? This yeah, miles whole miles inter- of tunnels. Exactly. So, where it goes to... Also, this thing was pretty big, but you know, when they tuck their wings in, they, can, they get pretty small. They can slide through those, so... I don't know exactly how you're going to do it. You're probably going to need to just flood the whole anthill or uh, you're going to be responsible for the deaths of hundreds, thousands, probably a bunch of babies in there. Well, uh, okay. What, uh, let's, let's stop right there. Yes. Uh, I understand the, 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 the implications. Uh, is there any kind of plus side to me doing this job? Basically like what, what am I getting out of this finding maven for you? Well, first you'd be paying me back for talking. That story you told at the beginning was uh, real boring. Certainly will not be real t- paying you back. No. Oh, okay. Uh, being a little difficult, I guess. I suppose that we could. I could give you a uh, a clipping of this wing here. Nope, that's garbage. I'm just trying to think of what doesn't matter here. Oh, but you probably want something. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is the, uh, the trade, you know, the, the trade system is, is what makes this economy work, right? Like you have to offer me something valuable in order for me to do something valuable for you. I know it might not compute so well, seeing as you've got difficulty understanding what's valuable. You have any money? No, no. Do you have any stuff? Stuff? I could give you milk. What's that good for? Drinking? Could I sell it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she gives. Yeah. Sometimes I do facial expressions, right? Like, right. so she gives a very like her face scrunches. This is the first time you've really seen her. Like, other than slightly annoyed, this is the first time you see her face make any other type of thing of like, I don't know if this is valuable. My boss is the only person that drinks this stuff. Did Maven have anything on her that would be valuable? A really, really cool-looking jacket, like a raven jacket, uh, coat. It was enchanted so that she could uh, soar through the air like a not say. like a raven. Yeah, yeah. You could probably like take that if it. I mean, if that's valuable, that sounds kind of lame to me. Lame to me. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll go find Maven and I'll decide if the jacket's worth keeping or not. 
And if I decide to keep it, then you can just tell your boss it was destroyed when I bring back the body. Does that sound agreeable to you, miss? I mean, I guess. It's fine. Okay, yep. Well, uh... It sounds fine. And she already has started walking away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care of you, too. Yep, whatever. See you later. And I'm going to (laughs) just walk off toward the anthill. But at least I've got this really cool jacket that I could get. I feel like it would really complete the the black hat, black mustache look. Yeah. Yeah. It fits you. It definitely sounds like it could fit your attire. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. That was weird for, uh, I have a hard time with indifferent type character. Like low energy is not me. <laughs> yeah. Like this, those aren't people you'd interact with a lot. Like, you know, if you talk to someone like that in real life, you're just like, All right, like I'm going to give them their space. Like clearly yeah. they don't want to talk to me. I'm not going to force this. I will move on. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I was trying to picture Aubrey Plaza. That was the only person I could picture that's, that it's like. That's a very good real life, real life <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Oh, God bless Aubrey. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we've talked a lot about it already, but I'd love to hear about the origin story of Friend and Foe Adventure Co. You told us like, I'm going to do this actual play, but like, tell us how you actually got it off the ground. You know, like what research did you do about starting podcasts before you decided to start it? Or, you know, you already had your other show running. How did you go from, I'm going to do an actual play to actually doing an actual play? I said actual a lot. (laughs) Well, actually, this is how I actually did it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) This was actually the reason that I even did the board game community show. Oh yeah. So I was watching E3 announce bunkers and, you know, like Borderlands, B&B, exciting stuff. And I instantly, within seconds, I knew like, I want to do an actual play. Well, this isn't going to come out for like at least a year, probably. I pre-ordered it within minutes, right? I was, I was so ready, so yeah. excited. Uh, I'd been listening to, you know, like the Adventure Zone and Dungeons and Daddies. And I hadn't played much, but I always wanted to. And I thought, I want Matt to be in it. I want Kimmy to be in it. The other two people I don't know yet. We'll figure that out. Went shopping for microphones. You know, like I was jumping the gun for sure. Like <laughs> day one, as soon as they announced it. And then I thought, well, I've probably got time to kill. It would be nice to learn to edit. Mm. I used to do a little bit of like music editing back in like high school. So well over like a decade before. I hadn't really played with it since. I have GarageBand. That'll work. The pandemic started shortly after that. I was trying to think of a couple ideas like, well, maybe me and my wife can do a podcast. And then that kind of fell apart. She was a little too busy to like do that at the time Mm. because the pandemic like, you know, messes up a lot of people's work schedules. Yeah. And and hers especially, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I reached out to a friend and I was like, let's just do a board game podcast where we talk about like board game design because I was into board game design. And even backing up before this, like 10 or 12 years ago, I had started making a Borderlands themed board game. Oh, yeah. Because I'm a really big board game fan. And so, like, I built classes on there and, like, had all these ideas, right? I wrote out this big story. And so I instantly knew, like, parts of story that I could bring from that idea over. Pandemic's been going for quite a few months. I'm feeling like, oh, boy, I can't talk to people. I don't know. Like, I'm self-employed. I'm stuck at home. I can't really go out and visit people. Like my wife is immunocompromised. I have like heart condition stuff that like would be bad if I got it, you know, all this stuff. So I was like online interviews. Let me practice talking to people because the only person I talk to is my wife, you know, like, right. And she's sick of me interviewing her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, and I thought like, it'd be nice to meet new people in space and grow 
So I started just even to learn to edit. So like really that whole idea came from like, I need to practice talking to people again because I am definitely out of practice. And then uh, I want to learn how to edit conversations. And that was a fun process. Then eventually, you know, I started doing the practice DM stuff, D&D, and then they emailed out the one shot and I was like, oh boy, I don't even know who I want on the show. At was it point. like the Ashcan, like basic rules? Here's some character sheets. Here's the one shot, like before they released the full game. Yeah, cool. Because they, they hit delays, right, with COVID. So I think from announced to release, it was like two years or maybe even like two and a half, something like that. It was a long wait because delays, delays, power outages, right? Like manufacturing problems, just craziness. So they sent this out and one of the first people I had interviewed was Phil and we hit it off. Like we chatted a lot after the interview, we would message every day, like all the time we were just BFFs instantly. It's like rarely a day goes by where we aren't messaging each other about some like random stuff. And then I invited somebody else from the board gaming space that I had like interacted with a little bit at some like prototype conventions. He brought his partner on at the time. And then I had Matt and we ran it really fun, made so many mistakes. It's like episode eight or something of a podcast. So that like, you're at least somewhat into it by the time you hear like right. the poor quality, like some bad editing and me, <laughs> it was, I think it was like the fourth game I'd ever run. The Ashcan version of that was like missing some crucial rules. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like shield recharge. And so you just fill it in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like a really good because they just took pages from the book. Oh, they didn't actually purposely write short yeah. rules. Okay. So, yeah. so <laughs> they gave you like the first one shot in the book. Yeah. It's which like is fun. Literally missing like a bunch of stuff. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you're out there designing a game, if you're going to release like a beta or anything like that, it'd be good to have the rules. But if you don't, you know, like people will like figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And they did that because of all the delays. So right. like they're just trying to give you something. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, hey, we should be like six months out. So here's this. Feel free to play it. I reached out to them and said, can we record it? And and they were like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that'd be great. That was like the start of me, like sort of talking to them. So then after that one shot, it came in December and I was like, OK, after the holidays, we're starting. Yeah. Mark, who was in the one shot, wasn't available anymore. The person who played Elena, uh, she wasn't available anymore. So then I had like Matt and Phil and I was still really wanting Kimmy to join. But she was on the fence literally till the day of that we recorded our first episode. She was like, I don't know. And I like made up her character sheet and like helped her sort of pick a skill and, you know, like get things together. Yeah. And I had done this whole custom class and wasn't even sure if she was going to play it. Oh, yeah. And then Kyle, we went to high school together. We hadn't talked for like a decade, but he listened to the board game community show. And he offered up some music for when I did the one shot and I put it on the board game community show. And so then after the others dropped out, I was like, we need a fourth. I kind of want to reach out to Kyle. Like Kyle was awesome in high school. Like he replaced me in my band in high school, you know, oh, like yeah. he was, <laughs> he was such a cool guy and it would be fun to reconnect. And so I reached out and he was like, I just started playing D and D. Like he had like played one or two sessions of D and D with his family and was really excited to join. That's kind of the origin of it. Maybe in a rambly way, all the pieces came together. 
Yeah. So it's based on the Borderland video game system. We mentioned this a few times. Yeah. You mentioned Phil hadn't ever played it before. Had Kimmy played it? Were yeah. the rest of your players had they all played it? Were they familiar with the lore? Yeah. With the the flavor. Kyle had played it a little bit. He hadn't played the third one, which is what I based his class on. Eventually he played it and he's like, oh, it's fun to play it now that I've been playing for like a year mm-hmm. as this mech pilot, uh, the gunner in number three. Matt had played through a lot of it with me online. Kimmy played through all of them with me. It's a franchise, though, that a lot of people are very familiar with. So do you find a lot of your fans and listeners and stuff are Borderlands fans or are a lot of them like they have no idea, but they just like love the story and love the characters and kind of find it that way? The IP, I think, definitely has helped bring some listeners to episode one, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. And then after that, the people that usually get to episode three stick with it, which I'm very happy about. Because episode three, for me, is when I feel like most people are like, I was dying laughing because of this one thing. And I feel like that's when we really get to like be our characters and yeah. you know be our world. This one girl, she started listening and she was listening on good pods and she would like rate and comment on there. On every episode. Yeah, on like episodes that she listened. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And so we get like this interaction going and then she gets to episode five or six and she's like, I didn't know this was based on a video game series at all. And I was like, what? Okay. Okay. All right. Like episode five or six. And she's like, I thought this was a homebrewed world completely. And that you were just doing your own thing. I was so impressed. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, it's less impressive than that. But yeah, like we do, I did homebrew the setting and everything. Cause I was worried about copyright stuff. I didn't want to use their characters necessarily. And, mm-hmm. and then be like, you can't do that. So we've talked about Ian a, a few times too. Ian is one of the designers on the actual tabletop role-playing game, which you are playing. And you've had him on as a guest on your board game show and also as a guest on the actual play. So what's it been like to like interact with the person who helped make this game that you are playing and has it influenced the show at all, you know, like before or after you, you working with him? When I interviewed him, he had already funded his game Wonderland's War on Kickstarter. Uh-huh. And I was kind of like, oh, that's, that sounds interesting. The art is good. And he co-designed it with several other people. Right. And I was like, that's cool. But I'm also I'm more excited to talk about Borderlands, you know, like B&B on in the interview. And so we talked about like Wonderlands War and then this stuff. And then after that, we ended up talking for like four or five more hours after the interview and we were just like hanging out and he's just so cool and we just clicked so nice. instantly felt really comfortable with him even after winning awards for wonderland's war i asked him to come on the show and he was like yeah yeah i'd love to and so he made up a character which was nice i didn't have to walk him through the character <laughs> creation yeah i was so so nervous because this is the creator of the game right and I thought, I'm going to make so many mistakes. I know I've made so many mistakes already. And like, he comes on and we're playing and then we would ask him questions. And he's, he would say things like, well, rules is written is this way, but it's your game. Do it however you want to do. Like, and we've talked about this multiple times of, I wrote the rules, I wrote the framework, but do whatever, you know, like he's really happy that there's a homebrew community mm-hmm. that alters and like there's a part of me that's you know like they completely tear apart your game and be like well this part doesn't work so i'm gonna make it you know it doesn't work for me right is what they mean but i'm gonna make it work for me i'm gonna make it how more complicated or whatever 
I think coming from the Borderlands, you know, video games, they wanted to make it really approachable for anyone right. to come in. D&D yeah, there's not. plenty of people who played Borderlands <laughs> but have not played D&D who would have no concept. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. first time picking up a D20, like, yeah, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Exactly. I messaged him today oh, yeah. before I came because he's been on the show twice. And I am the only person still to this day of the recording to BM for him. Uh, oh so, yeah yeah he, you're the one person that's kind of cool. one person yeah that's a good claim to fame i know it feels weird it's like the lead designer of this game i'm the only person that they've played as a player with 99.9 percent of the population has no idea what you're talking about but for those people who do yeah. they're like oh wow that's awesome yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> in fact actually so we're talking about setting up our patreon mm-hmm. one of our patreon things might be him bming for us and i'll play as a player that would be fun too, yeah. Yeah. So if you're into this game and you know who Ian is, or if you're not, but you still are interested, sounds like Patreon's coming down the pipe. Check it out. Yeah. When it is <laughs> up and running, I will post about it on the internets and you can see. So you can you can jump in on that. All right. So you mentioned you started the board game show to like get used to running a show. What's been kind of the most fun part about running the board game show though for you? I guess I didn't really talk about this. I did Nerding Out, which was a very short-lived podcast with my friend. We interviewed Rob Davio, who is like, I, I call him like the uh, daddy legacy or whatever. You know, like if you've ever heard of a legacy game, he probably designed it. He has done a lot of interviews. When we finished, he was saying to us, that was really fun because I don't have go-to answers. Oh, like you asked him stuff he wasn't used to answering. Yeah. I like that. He's like, normally I just pull from this hat. I recycle it. I might change up the way I say it. But, you know, I've got this bin of questions that I always get asked. His talking points and his stories that he tells on every show. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So we got some stories out. So once nerding out was dying down because my co-host had a baby. And I was like, I really want to do that. So my focus was doing casual conversations with people and yeah, I have like certain questions I ask, but I don't always ask them because uh-huh. I let it veer off and ramble and get off topic, but then eventually bring it back to like certain points that I always want to hit on. That's been really, really fun getting to talk to people. And it's fun to talk to like content creators and people who just play board games or design board games, publish board games, whatever it is. Is there one or two games you'd recommend to folks out there, board games that yeah. they may not have heard of that you really love? Well, you know, this is TTRPG stuff. D&D has a whole series of board games. My wife, not very familiar with D&D. She loves this game. Lots of people who don't play D&D love it. People who do love it. Waterdeep, right? That's a uh-huh. major city. Lords of Waterdeep I've is heard of it. Yeah. a worker placement board game that's really fun and fairly on it's it's a little bit more on the light side of like what to learn i use it a lot of times to teach worker placement which is where you have like three workers and then there's spaces on the board and you're going to put those workers there and do that action and And then then they generate so much resource kind of thing yeah those types of things or actions or different things right you can draw a card or okay gain a resource and the resources in that they're just like orange white purple black cubes but they're supposed to be you know rogue warriors wizard and cleric it's really really fun it's not that expensive and it's pretty it's definitely on the easier side to learn Uh another one might be like quacks of quidlinburg which leans more into luck where you're bag building you've got a 
pots for potion, like uh, making potions. You're herbalists or something. I don't know. It's quacks implying that you don't know what you're doing. Like it's like docs, right? Doctor, right? right. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, cool quack. This quack is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so you like build your bag with different ingredients, and the ingredients do different things. And that was not a great description, but it's it's pretty heavy on the luck aspect of it. And most people that have I played it with. I think everybody I've played it with has loved it. Mm. Like a lot of them end up buying it. Cool. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were telling me or you were explaining or or saying like board games, which sometimes are intimidating to learn. I think I have bought one game that I have learned myself and every other game I have played with other people before I have bought it myself or like it has been gifted to me or whatever, like board games just kind of like that. Like you just, you usually play it first and then you decide you're going to buy it. That's funny how that works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're winding down to the end here, Riley. I'd love to know what advice you have for folks out there for people who are thinking about running a show or starting a show. We've talked a little bit about that, but I'm sure you've got some more wisdom there. And then also people who are out there thinking about running games or who have started running games and have hit a block or just need a little bit of encouragement. Listen to shows like this is my number one thing. We talked about, you know, some writers don't read books of their genre because they don't want to, to mm. influence. Some musicians don't listen to certain music or whatever yeah. it is. In here, listen to other stuff as much as you can. Listen to shows like this because you're going to learn from other people's experiences. And you're going to be cocky like I have been several times where I'm like, yeah, I understand where they're coming from. That makes sense. But I think I can pull it off. <laughs> you probably can't, but but you'll be prepared to. I think I was more prepared when it failed, when those ideas failed. Yeah, uh, because of listening to your show and listening to other actual plays. I strongly encourage listening to a bunch of other actual plays, indie shows. Explore other systems. You can yeah. hear how other ones, other systems do it. Hear what you want to implement into it. And I think that that has been even more useful for me because like listening to, you know, Brendan Lee Mulligan or Travis or any of the McElroy's, you know, GM a game, I'm not going to run it like that. I'm not going to run it as well as them. There's no way, you know, like at this point in my life, I've got (laughs) to dedicate so many years to the craft. Yeah. Listening to them, you can definitely find good things and steal good things from them. But I think you're going to relate more to indie ones. And honestly, indie shows are more fun because you can actually interact with them. Like, yes, Matt Mercer's not going to answer your DM. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> he, you probably can't even DM him because I'm sure he's got all of his accounts locked down because otherwise he'd be spammed 24-7. But guess what? Riley's going to answer you. I'm going to answer you. You know, like these these indie shows out there, we love chatting with people about whatever it was that came up on our show or, you know, episodes or yeah. rules or, you know, anything. That's the kind of interaction that you can't buy. You've talked about how the board game community show is on a break currently, and yes. you are working your way through the Friend and Foe Adventure Co. main quest right now. What is the future of these two shows? And also, do you have anything else that you want to plug? So, board game community show on a break. So, I'm really excited about that coming back. And that's like if you're not even a board gamer, I think you might still enjoy listening to it because it really veers. I'm really focused on making people feel like these are people that you could hang out with. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal with that. I like it. Friend Info Adventure Co. I'm 
just absolutely in love with. I feel so bad because I talk about it all the time because I'm, I feel it is your show. Right. But like, I feel like a narcissist because I'm genuinely like proud of it where other things I've done in my, I I wrote music and I would always be like, you don't have to listen, you know, like (laughs) don't, don't worry about listening to my new song or whatever. But like, I really, really am proud, especially because of like the first stuff. I love it. It's fun. We get silly. We're learning to play. We're learning to like work together but once the main story stuff goes off, like from episode 15 on, which seems like a lot to commit to, to be like, in episode 15, it gets really good. But most people, like episode three, I feel like people really get into it. I occasionally stream board games with people online. That's really fun. So you can like find me on Mr. Rouse gaming channel, playing a couple games. I'll be on a future episode at some point of What the Dice. We're setting up oh, our yeah. characters right now. So that's really exciting. I've been really loving their show. And then Big Campaign Stories, which is incredible. Jeff has this. Have you listened to Big Campaign Stories at all? Yeah, I've actually, uh, we've done an ad swap too. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah, okay, great. And then if you just want to hear about B&B, like the actual mechanics of the game, I was on the TTRPG Goblin. Oh, yeah. All right, that's exciting. That's exciting stuff. Cool. Well, sorry to ramble no. there. It's all right. That's what happens. Thanks so much for coming on, Riley. It's been a blast. It was great to meet you earlier this year at SaltCon and get to know you better. Get to know Kimmy. She's awesome. And yeah, thanks for coming on the show and for chatting about Friend Info Adventure Co. For giving the people some some wisdom and for for yeah, just just being an all around great guy. Hey, thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Adam, aka AMAC, the game designer of the Gundam tabletop role-playing game system Operation V, and the GM of Fetty Scum, an actual play show where he and his friends use the system he is creating to playtest. How about people who are out there designing games or thinking about designing games? Oh, don't. Don't reinvent the wheel. Um, I was just <laughs> I was just gonna say don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, some people enjoy it. Some people uh, have fun with that stuff. And some people are very talented at it. I've met a lot of creators through stress tests. The systems and ideas that they're coming up with and the new approaches they're taking to kind of how to how to focus games and uh, challenge kind of expectations and assumptions in games and how we interact with them. It's brilliant. To hear more from Adam about game design, running games, and putting them to the test, Tune in next week. If you enjoyed the show and want to support me, there are tons of easy ways like tipping me a few dollars on Kofi or PayPal or by buying things for your own games from my affiliate links. Again, those are located in my link tree. I've got links for dice, minis, tabletop gaming accessories, published content, and even geeky apparel. Last of all, I'm proud to support Diversity Saves, a tabletop role-playing game charity which donates money to diverse up-and-coming creators working on their very first projects. It's a great cause, and I'm really excited to see what awesome stuff people will create. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos theme is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by my friend Arcane Anthems. And until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.